Scripture reading this morning is taken from the gospel according to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Attending or involved in teaching or crafts, some area like that, raise your hand if you had anything to do with Vacation Bible School. That is a great number, uh, 75% or so of the church, I think, was involved in some way. That's great. And it was an excellent VBS. May God be praised for that and thank you for your work. Secondly, our brother Steve Taylor just uh, let me know that there's quite a few cantaloupe in the back of his pickup truck from Kyanosa. And for people that like cantaloupe, it's hard to beat a Kyanosa cantaloupe. So help yourself, he said. Uh, and so please do that. And thank you, Steve, for thinking about people here when you went through Kyanosa the other day. A number of years ago, a fellow from Longview, Texas, went to the Tucson, Arizona Gem and Mineral Show. At least that's what it was called then. So he's looking at rocks, and he notices toward the end of the show, as he's looking at gems and minerals, a Tupperware dish that has a bluish-violet-colored stone in it. And his jaw drops. He's a gymnologist. He's into the study of gems. It had a $15 price tag on it. And he inquired about the price. And the person that was running that particular area in the gem and mineral show said, well, it's normally about $15, but I'll take 10 for it since the show is about to end. And this fellow from East Texas, from Longview, talked to his boys who were quite young at the time, 11 and 4, I believe, and they each contributed $5 and they got this gemstone, this rock, that was bluish-violet in color. Pay $10 for it. They would go on to have it looked at, and it was a star sapphire, 800 carats bigger than had ever been seen before that time. 1,900 carats it was. Its value has been estimated at two and a quarter million dollars. You see, it took someone that knew gems 
to understand the value of that. I guess we could call it a rocks to riches story, huh? There's no one that understands the value of souls like Jesus. There's nobody that understands the value of souls like Jesus. And you know, Carl, you, you, you're prone to pray when you lead us in public prayer uh, how you could love us when we were so unlovable. And you know, that is so true. God loves us when we're so unlovable, and yet, much like the gymnologist, He understands our value too. Because He made us. He loved us. And so it's right to say you loved us when we were so unlovable due to our sin. And yet it's also right to think of ourselves as incredibly valuable to God because He gave His only Son so that we might be with Him forever. Both of those truths need to be kept in proper balance, don't they? And when we don't, we either are proud and arrogant on the one hand or we feel low down and worthless on the other. The real rags to riches story can be found in John 3, 16. This Sunday is the Sunday we look at best love passages of the Bible. Passages that you asked me to preach on because they were some of your own personal favorites. It's not surprising that John 3.16 would be mentioned by someone. Tonight we'll be looking at the word of the cross from 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25. And if there's a passage that a preacher loves to preach, it's the two that I get to preach today. Let's focus on John 3.16. And what I'd like to do is make seven observations about this single passage as we look at it in its context. Seven observations. Because you see, a lot of people have talked about John 3.16 as being the Bible in miniature. As being... The gospel in one verse. And I can see how people might say that. Because so much is encompassed in that verse. Yet sadly, John 3.16 has been terribly misused and twisted by some people over the years, hasn't it? But when we look at John 3.16, it is important to notice John 3.14 and 15. Because in that passage, Jesus speaks of how as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he goes on to talk about how, notice how at the end of verse 15, it says, have eternal life. See those three words? Now notice the last three words of John 3.16. Have eternal or everlasting life. You see the parallel? There is no way that anyone can have eternal life 
unless they look up to Jesus in trust and obedience like the children of Israel after being bitten by poisonous snakes had to look up at the bronze serpent in order to be healed. Contextually, there is no way that one can be saved without experiencing the new birth, John 3, 1 through 7, that Jesus spoke about as he initially talked with Nicodemus. What a rich passage this is. Now, look, if you will, focus with me on John 3.16, observation number one. Observation number one. John 3.16 is expressive in its action. John 3.16 is expressive in its action. Here's what I mean. The first four words, for God so loved. See them? For connects this with what he's just said in verses 14 and 15. For connects this with the rest of the chapter and his visit with Nicodemus. For God. This passage begins discussing the subject of salvation, where one needs to begin. God. Talk about being God-centered and God-focused. No one was more God-centered and Father-focused than Jesus, the Son of God. And as he gives this passage that many people still know by memory in our own country, he begins with expressing its action for God. Now, friends, that's the infinite, all-knowing, ever-present, ever-holy God. For God. So... That's an adverb of manner or degree. For God so loved. And the word there for love is a word that has to do with making a choice. And it's a word that involves a cost. God made a costly Choice for God so loved. I want to point out this passage doesn't say for Mary so loved. This passage doesn't say for Joseph so loved. And as a matter of fact, that would just about be blasphemous. It would be not taking God seriously enough. It begins with God. And when we talk about salvation, we must see that He's taken the initiative. He has acted, and He shows us His love through Jesus. God commends His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5 and verse 8. We love Him because He first loved us, 1 John 4 and verse 19. That first observation. This love is expressive in its action. This passage is expressive. God expresses 
His love in action. For God so loved. Secondly, look at the next expression. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. John 3.16 is extraordinary in its scope. He must have rocked Nicodemus' world because Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, remember? And he comes to him, and I'm sure he would have said, for God so loves Israel. He would have understood that. But Jesus says, for God so loves the cosmos. The cosmos. The world. Now, wait a minute. Didn't the Bible say in 1 John chapter 2, 15-17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things are not of God, but they're of the world, and as such, they'll pass away. But in John 3, 16, we see Jesus saying, For God so loved the world. Yes. Words can mean different things in different contexts. And what we have in 1 John 2, 15 through 17 is to not love the worldly system and its way of thinking motivated by pride and lust. But what Jesus is saying about God in John 3, 16 is God loves the people of this world. The kids had it right in vacation Bible school. Red, brown, yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. There are 16,819 people groups in the world. 16,819 different people groups. And God loves every single people group. Every single one. And he wants people of every tribe and tongue and people and nation to be with him forever. Revelation 5 and verse 9. So in John 3.16 when he's talking about the world, he's talking about humanity that he's placed here. When you think about it, when God created humanity... The Bible says in the book of Genesis that he breathed into his nostrils... What? The breath of life. Natural life became natural life when God breathed into one's nostrils the breath of life initially. We don't have spiritual life apart from the death of Christ. The breath gave us life initially of God, and the death of Christ gives us life spiritually with God. Now here's the point. For God so loved the world. You can put down by that Galatians 2.20 where Paul, speaking of the same theme, the cross, would say, who loved me and gave himself for me. For God so loved 
the world. A love that's extraordinary in its scope, in its comprehensiveness. You know, it's, and to think that God loves people of the world like that is astounding. But God is love, 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4 and verse 16. And when the Bible says God loves the world, and when the Word of God goes on to say that He loves me and He loves you, remember this. There is no one so bad that God cannot save, and there is no one so good who does not need saving. And when one looks at John 3.16, here is things that need to be considered. A thing that's really important, a priority. If I go to heaven and know eternal life, it will only be because of the Son of God. If I go to heaven and enjoy eternal life with God, it will only be because of Jesus. If I do not go to heaven, and if I miss out on eternal life, it will be because of me and not because of Christ. Amen? John 3.16. What a powerful, thought-provoking passage. Observation number three. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. The old translations, His only begotten Son. This passage, John 3, 16, is expensive in its sacrifice. It's infinitely expensive in its sacrifice. His only Son. Mark that word only or only begotten or one and only in your translation. Unique, one of a kind, specially loved, matchless son. All of that is true, brothers and sisters, of our Lord. God's love is such that it gives. And it gives what is needed and more. He gave His only Son. Stay there at John 3.16 with your finger or Bible marker, your ribbon. But turn over to Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32 And in this classic passage on assurance, Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8 and verse 32, God spared not His Son, but gave Him up. 
before us all. Gave him up for us all. Romans 8.32 is a greater to lesser argument. A greater to lesser argument where if this biggie is really true, it only makes sense that everything else is going to follow. Follow suit. Makes sense. If God gave what we needed to deal with our sins by giving His matchless, unique, one and only, specially loved Son... If God did that, how can anybody in life ever think that God's going to hold out on us and not bless us? How can anybody think that? we got to be out of our minds to think that a God who would give up His Son for our sin would not take care of us through life. Casting all your care upon Him He cares for you. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6. This love is expensive in its sacrifice. Infinitely expensive. A rock that's about the size of a small potato that's been estimated at two and a quarter million bucks does not begin to compare with what God gave up in Jesus. Number four, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son... That whosoever, that whosoever. Here's the truth on John 3.16. John 3.16 is extensive in its offer. Extensive in its offer. The world, whosoever. And lest we get lost in the world... Whosoever means you, Steve Horton. Whosoever means you, Kirk. Whosoever means you, Ron. Whosoever means me. Whosoever. Whoever means anyone. If anyone is saved, it will be because of Christ. 1 Timothy 4, verses 9 and 10. God would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. Whoever. When Jesus is emphasizing the world and whoever, how dare anyone limit what God the Son has said. The world and whoever. Jesus said, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and following. The Bible ends with an invitation. Revelation 22 and verse 17. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come! Come. Mark those words, world... 
and whoever. Because it will help biblically shape your view of who needs Jesus. Who needs the gospel. Next. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever, notice the next three words. Believes in him. You see those words? Whoever believes in him. John 3.16 is exclusive in its blessing. It's exclusive in its blessing. Whoever believes in Him. He came to the world, but the world received Him not. The world didn't believe by and large. John 1 verses 9 through 11. Notice the emphasis throughout this book, the book of John, where the word believe occurs at least 98 times. At least 98 times. Whoever believes in Him. Whoever believes in Him by experiencing the new birth of John 3, 1-7... Because you can't be in Christ without being born again. You can't see the kingdom of God without being born again. Whoever believes, like those who had been bitten by the poisonous snakes, would look in humility and trust and obedience for God to save them when they had been disobeying Him. They were in sin. John 3, 14 and 15, compare it to Numbers 21, the Old Testament account of the brass serpent being held up. They believe that God saved them as they put their trust in Him and humbled themselves in responding to His will. I believe that God does the same thing in a similar way today, that when we humble ourselves and respond to His will in faith, God does what He promises. He does what He promises. Whoever believes in Him. And what I am saying is this. There's no way to get faith alone in John 3.16 because the surrounding context won't allow faith alone. The faith that saves is never alone. It always relies on God. It always is humble. It always wants to be loving. And it always seeks to obey what God says. Whoever believes in Him, in Him, salvation is in Him. 2 Timothy 2, 10 there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Romans 8.1 We become new in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 What I am saying is this. One who is not believing in Christ stands condemned, remains in their sins, has not experienced every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 one is lost. To believe in Him, there's real life. Number six. 
John 3.16 is exceptional in its work. This passage is exceptional in its worth. Observe that about it because in John 3.16, what we have is Jesus saying, should not perish. Put it in brackets, underline it, however you may do in your Bibles or your mind. Should not perish. That's an exceptional thing. Because there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3 and verse 10. No one can look at John 3.16 and say, I'm already a pretty good person. Nobody can do that. Because it is only by believing in Him that one should not perish. We are dead in sins and trespasses. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. When we're not in Christ. We're separated from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Habakkuk 1, 12 and 13. When one's not in Christ. What Nicodemus needed to hear here in John 3 is what many people need to hear today. The only way to avoid perishing, lostness, condemnation is to come to Jesus in faith, in love, in obedience. The wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness, Romans 1, 18. This chapter concludes in John 3 and verse 36 by talking about how the wrath of God would abide in one who doesn't come to God through Jesus. You know, I start reading John chapter 3 and what I'm gathering is this. I want to do everything that I possibly can to come to God through Jesus and the way provided by Christ. Don't you? Number seven, and finally, when you look at this passage, it is eternal in its richness. John 3.16 is eternal in its richness. Have everlasting The thief comes, Jesus said, but to break through and steal. I am come to give life, to give it more abundantly. John 10 and verse 10. Life, life, everlasting life, eternal life. And by that term, think quality. Life on a far higher, greater This is the life, one might sometimes say. But the life that we're talking about when we say that here in this old world doesn't even begin to compare to the quality of life in eternity. Then notice quantity. Eternal life, unending life, unceasing life. What a great passage. 
And while we should be sad that sometimes it's been misunderstood and twisted, when we see it for what Jesus is saying in the context in which he said it, this passage certainly teaches the necessity of faith and repentance and baptism in order to have our sins washed away and to be part of the family of God, the church. Now, if you checked out on me, and sometimes people can do that in a sermon, come back for just a minute and let me share with you the sermon in ten words as we conclude. Are you listening? God and Son. Do you see that, Waylon? God and Son in John 3.16? Salvation is all about God and His initiative. God and Son. Second pair of words. God and Son, first pair. Second pair. Loved and gave. Loved and gave. Now, Brother Tom, God takes the initiative. God loved. God gave. God and God's Son. Loved, gave. Third pair of words. World and whoever. World and whoever. You see that? Keep looking. World and whoever. Notice this. Believes and have. The fourth pair. Believes and have. Eight words down. Two words to go. Not perish. Eternal life. God, salvation begins with God. God and His Son. The Word of God given through the Spirit. Loved and gave, God acted. He took initiative. God loved and acted. He gave His Son. Third, the world, whosoever... The message of the gospel is for you and me. That's the idea there. And then it says, believe and have. Something must be done by you and me in responding to the action of God in order to know not perishing and having eternal life. And those last two expressions, not perish, have eternal life. That is about eternity. That is about forever. Now listen, please. Don't blow forever.
Don't blow eternity because of the here and now. What in the here and now is worth your soul? What in the here and now is worth eternity? I don't know who suggested John 3.16 and best love passages. Again, it's no surprise to anybody. But sometimes we just need to be reminded and to have our hearts revived about the God who loved and gave. Let us stand and sing.